Welcome to Our Family Stories, the only podcast that shares stories about my awesome family, the Clausens, Hawkins, Victors, and a few visitors here and there. I love you guys, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Our Family Stories. everybody. It has been way too long since I've been on here. I'm excited to get rolling on these again. And uh, this is, to me, a project of love and something I think that we will all enjoy for many years to come. What you're listening to in the background is the Brazilian uh, national anthem. And today I'm bringing you an episode with dad sharing stories about his mission. It's fun to sit down and talk about those memories that he had and, and uh, really to preserve that so we have it for generations to come, uh, to continue to learn from dad and to continue to be touched by his thoughtfulness and his heart. So hope you all enjoy and look forward to many more of these. I love you all, and we will talk soon. All right, so we're doing a recording today. It's January 2nd, uh, 2020. I asked my kids not to play the piano, and now they're playing a clarinet in the background. (laughs) So uh, it just is what it is. So you might hear random instruments and outbursts in the background we are not in a soundproof studio unfortunately (laughs) so this is as good as it this is as good as it gets but i asked dad to do a recording about his mission and so we're going to go through and talk about it and go through some of his experiences and thoughts and feelings and anything really that you want to you want to talk about dad so I I thought we could start from the beginning, but is there is there any particular spot you want to start, or do you want to just start from the beginning and we can kind of go through from the get go? Uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's start at the beginning. Okay, so what I was curious about is, I guess my first question is, from growing up, was there ever? any doubt in your mind that you would go or did you, were you always wanted to go or what were your thoughts as, uh, as far as a mission went as a little boy? I just thought about that. Just, just the last half hour, um, about going on a mission. And, and I, I think I've always wanted to go on a mission and, I was one of the first in the family to, to do that, if not the first. Um, I don't know of, I guess I had a cousin, Kit. He, he went before me and he went to Australia. And uh, I, I remember living in our stake. Uh, president Hunter was our stake president. And I remember some, he had two sons, Richard and John. And I remember them coming back off their missions and speaking. And I just always felt like that was what I would do. I I didn't have any reservations about it. I looked forward to it, and I saw it as an adventure. Um, If I did it over again, I would have been a lot better prepared. But I just uh, uh, felt like that's what I wanted to do, and and I did. You didn't really have anybody ahead of you like siblings or anything you were kind of blazing the trail anyways so yeah yeah I really was um so what is it um 
give me a give me what it looks like. You did you submit mission papers or how does what was the process for submitting to go on a mission back then? Well, I think there is is kind of a two step process. Um, I I had to be interviewed by um, a general authority. Um, to submit to submit my papers, and I was interviewed by Joseph Fielding Smith. He was um, in the area. He was at our state conference, and and that was one of his duties is to talk to future missionaries. And so I had a visit with him for fifteen minutes, and he talked to me, and uh, and uh, then the papers were submitted. I don't I don't remember. I must have talked to my bishop, but the uh, the process was to go through a general authority and then, then my name was submitted. Um, when I was at the at the mission the MTC in Salt Lake, we went to the MTC for uh, seven days. We would fly in and there was a hotel there where they kept the missionaries, and we would uh, spend all day listening to training, and and uh, we listened to all twelve apostles come. They would come and speak to us for an hour, and uh, at in that time, I was uh, set apart by one of the assistants to the. 12 apostles, and it was, um, uh, I'm going to draw a blank here, I, I know it, but I'll, it'll come to me, but I, I was set apart by the uh, general authority, and um, each of the, my missionary companions were set apart at that time. So that was upon, like, flying, flying into Salt Lake, you were set apart at that time? Uh-huh, or? yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you're in the MTC for seven days? Seven days. So let's back up just a little bit. So after you submitted your papers, mm-hmm. what was like, did they mail you your mission call or what was that? What was they that mailed process? the mission call. I got it at my house and our mailbox is right there on our front porch. And I remember the day that it came, I went through the mail, I pulled the mail out, and uh, I probably was looking for it. I, But this particular day it came, and so I didn't know any better. We didn't have any protocol. It had, had no, hadn't, didn't have any brothers or sisters to lead the way. So I opened the envelope right there on the porch. My mother wasn't there. My father wasn't there. But I opened the opened the letter and it uh, said that I was hereby called to serve a two and a half two and a half year mission in Brazil, and um, kind of blew me away. I didn't quite know what to think about it, but uh, I was good to go, and and uh, so I I. Uh, I think I, I think the call came several months early, and so it gave me time to prepare and to. But I remember my friends. I my friends were um, always supportive, and uh, on one night they threw a a surprise party for me. There was um, I had a number of friends and girls and boys that, that threw the party and uh, they had a um, oh I'm sorry a pinata a pinata they had a pinata they made a pinata and and uh, they had me knock it down and I almost hit a couple people and I really got involved with it and almost wiped a couple people out. But when it came down, it broke open, and there was 92 silver dollars in it. 
And I thought that was really special uh, that they did that for me. But they were always supportive. They they uh, didn't know a whole lot about my mission, but they just thought it was really cool that I was going to go and serve serve my church as a missionary. That's cool. So when you got the call for Brazil, is it just Brazil? Was it one mission? You just got called to Brazil or was it? There's two missions at the time. It was the Brazilian South Mission and the Brazilian North Mission. Okay. And then what happened? Like, do you remember telling your parents? Do you remember anything about that? Do you remember their reactions? Um, I don't remember that a whole lot. I just told my mother when she came home and she was really thrilled. And then my dad came home and told him and that's, and then did he say, how much is this going to cost me? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they, they're very supportive. They always, I think, I, I don't know. I, you know, they didn't talk about it a whole lot in the house, but uh, they, I just watch it um, develop at church and watch different missionaries come and go. And, and my, my, my bishop was very supportive. He, he and I had a special relationship, Bishop Smith, and I used to, uh, his daughter was one of my best friends, and we just had a good good relationship. That's cool. Um, anything else you want to say in regards to the preparation before you left to go, anything that comes to mind? Well, one thing came to mind. I, I knew I had to learn Portuguese, and so I went to the store, and I bought a book on Portuguese. I don't think it was a tape or audio as much as it was visual. And uh, it wasn't very helpful. I, <laughs> I didn't go to the MTC. The, the MTC that I went to just talked uh, principles of the gospel. They didn't teach the, the, the language. And so I went cold turkey. That was in 19... 62, and I remember talking to a missionary that um, had been home about three or four years, and the thing that struck me was that his mission was three-year mission. So it could have been, I came close to serving three-year mission, but mine was two-and-a-half-year mission. Uh, the other thing that struck me is that uh, we didn't have any phone calls. I never, never talked to my parents on the phone for two and a half years. We got, I got letters from through the mail, and I got packages through the mail, but uh, no phone calls. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So, and that is astounding. That I'm interested to get to the part where you get there and you don't even know the language. But so seven days in the MTC. Anything else that? What, were there any missionaries that were going to Brazil that you were in the MTC with, or was everybody going to different places? There was uh, six other missionaries. Um, Elder McConkie, um, Elder Clark, um, Elder Higby. Um, they were really good fellows, and so the seven of us uh, bonded together. We were in the in the Brazilian uh, uh, going to the Brazilian missions. Okay, so there's seven of you going to Brazil. Uh -huh. And then how many elders do you think were in the MTC at that time? Oh, there's probably 200. Okay. Um, but anything else you want to say about the, your MTC experience? Very positive. I, I had a very spiritual experience, too sit you know went all day and we listened to them talk and and uh, have us they talked to us about a number of things health and food and, and protocol and how to how to teach but it was pretty abbreviated <laughs> for sure yeah. compared to what yeah. how they prepare them now what so what was the travel like going there like where did you fly from to what was your travel experience like getting to brazil we uh left salt lake city and flew to new york city and i remember we had a layover for five or six hours so we 
got a taxi and drove around New York City. And then we caught a plane to go to Brazil. And I remember the plane flight. It was really long. Um, but we flew into Sao Paulo, uh, caught a plane to uh, Curitiba. And uh, I remember we met the, the mission president and his assistant and got in a car and drove to the uh, Curitiba, the the mission home, and that's took took a couple days to get there. So I remember when I was on my mission, getting like getting off the plane and getting to Perth, and the way that I thought things were going to look were completely different. What was what were your first impressions of being in Brazil? Did it look the way you thought it would look? Was it different? What were your very first impressions when you got there? I still remember driving in the car from the airport to uh, the mission home and seeing a tropical vegetation that uh, was different than I anticipated. It, uh, there's just a, just a lot of palm trees and, and uh, different types of uh, a tree. There's a particular tree that's unique to Paraná. It's a pine tree, and it, it, I just love the tree. It 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 bush. It there are, the the trunk goes straight up, and then the, the limbs shoot out on top, and it's kind of like a fan on the very top. It's a beautiful tree, but a lot of a lot of Paraná trees and a lot of different vegetation that was unique. So you got to the mission home, and how long were you in the mission home before they sent you out to your first area? Um, probably two days. Okay, so so you had kind of some instruction and different things for a few days from the president, or did you just kind of get acclimated and get over a little bit of jet lag? I don't think we were there that long. I think we stayed overnight, and they gave us our assignments, and they sent us out the, the, the next day. And uh, I think I was kept at Kudachiba, and uh, I think there's two or two other missionaries are kept there, and then the others were sent out. Okay. And those um, those transfers were like eight and twelve hours. They were long. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's so so huge that mission that you're in. Yeah, it really was. That. I mean, it was gigantic. Yeah. Uh, so you're kept close to in the same city that the mission home was in uh-huh yeah so did your trainer come and pick you up or what do you remember about meeting up with your trainer uh my my companion they didn't call them trainers but my companion was elder bed uh bednar or not bednar but uh um bedwell elder bedwell and he was really a good missionary and in fact, soon after I uh, I got transferred from him, he, he was the mission secretary for a while. Um, but I think I may have been a little hard on him, as new missionaries are. I expected a lot. I expected to go out and baptize and and teach and and keep all the command, all the all the mission rules. And I feel a little badly now as I look back on it, and I. Took me a while to settle in, but uh, but we had a good good relationship. He was he was good to me, and I I tried to be good to him. That's funny because I can totally relate to that. I, yeah. My uh, second companion, I always think if I were to meet up with him again, I would apologize to him and tell him that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I wish I would have lightened up a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of uptight in those yeah. first. Yeah, you really months. are. Plus, I was dealing with the language. And that was uh, that. That was really a challenge for me, and uh, uh, it was a challenge for me the whole time. Two and a half years. I, I finally, finally got into it, but it took a long time to feel comfortable with it. So, um, how long were you with Elder Bedwell? Um, probably three months. In Kadachiva. Is that how you say that? Kudachiba. Yeah. Kudachiba. And tell me about those three months. What are some things that stand out to you about those three months? What are 
some thoughts and impressions you have about that time period in your mission? Well, I, I, I look back on my mission and I love my mission. I, uh, I, I felt like I had a unique experience of, of, of experiencing like four or five different, different mission cultures. I was in Curitiba, which was typical of Brazil in general. Um, and then, then my second mission or second city was Florianopolis, which was an island off of Brazil. And it was like a South Sea island. It was beautiful there, and beaches and everything. And then I went to Porto Alegre. I can't say it with my mouth. Porto Alegre. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was a, a port city, but it was pretty uh, uh, um, dynamic city, uh, kind of kind of a a upbeat city like um, like New York City. It wasn't as big as New York City, but it had the uh, elements of uh, lot of com commerce and and uh, big big city atmosphere. Then from there, I was transferred to Song Borgia, which was out in the, it was on the border of Brazil and Argentina. It's kind of considered the whole of the mission, but um, it's it was there that, uh, it was kind of like um, um, a Western cowboy town. It, it had its uniqueness about it. Then I was transferred back to Novo Hamburgo, which was a German colony uh, with rolling hills and, and trees, and uh, it was a beautiful area. And then I got transferred back to Curitiba, and I spent quite a bit of time, my last part in Curitiba. I cannot believe how starkly different all your areas oh, are. Oh, they were. And uh, uh, Brazil is a melting pot. It... Uh, over the years, it's there's there's, and that's why it's, I think it's so unique to the church. It it's humble people that uh, are are um, um, quite poor, and uh, they very receptive to the gospel, and but um, it just. I don't remember, but it uh, it was unique in a lot of different ways. But there was Japanese, there was Russian, there was Chinese, not so much Chinese, but um, German and a lot, of, a lot of different cultures there. So when you were in the German part, did a lot of people speak German over there? Was there, um, or were there just like little pockets? There are little pockets. I, I don't remember dealing with different languages a whole lot um just a mixture of culture of people inter intermarrying and uh i think one of the unique things or the thing that i remember a lot is how the the black people lived there but there was so much intermarriage and that became kind of a um an issue with the missionaries um, they encourage us not to not to proselyte and uh, baptize people that were um, um, of of the black skin, and so we would. I remember we'd go when we visit people. We'd kind of get into into their genealogy and and talk to them about their family and have them show us pictures of the family and. Sometimes there was there would be a grandfather that was black, and we would kind of back off, and it's it was kind of sad as I look back on it because those are the people that really took to the gospel, and we would have to back off and and kind of drop them. Uh, it wasn't until 1972 or 75 when President uh, Kimball came out with the declaration that we were able to teach them. And that's what opened up Brazil. It just took off. It was amazing. So tell me a little bit about, um, I mean, feel free to open up with your some of your vulnerabilities because about 
starting off and learning the language and what was that like like going out every day and your companion taught like was it was it super lonely was it exciting what were what were the range of emotions that you're going through at the beginning as you're trying to get your foot in the door and trying to figure figure out your way if i had to do it over again and if it would probably be the same thing <laughs> <laughs> But if I had to do it over again, I would try to open my mouth and speak. I was I was pretty disciplined, and and I didn't know my my mission. My uh, my companion really didn't teach me. I don't. I I can't remember that, and I don't know why he wouldn't. But uh, I was focused more on. Um, conjugating and learning and vocabulary than to go out and speak the, the language. I remember um, Portuguese has a lot to do with conjugating verbs and uh, past tense, present tense, future tense. And it's kind of cool the, the different, you could take one word and, and speak uh, a number of uh, of things with just the one word. It would include the noun. It would include the verb. It would include the, the the tense. And so I took it on myself to buy some notebooks, and I would just conjugate. I'd just write those down hour after hour conjugating. I would take a verb like um, understanding or running or baptizing and um, um, conjugate those verbs in, in the different tenses. And, and uh, I think that was really good for me, but at the same time, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, speak it as much as I could or should have. I remember, I think what really helped me was going to church and um, there's teenage girls there that that would really cue with the missionaries, and they would try to help the missionaries with the language. And so I would speak to them and talk to them, and, and they would help me. And, and, and I think that helped quite a bit. Um, I, I, I remember every, I would have... I'd get the door. I had my companion would have me do the door approach, and uh, so I'd say it in Portuguese, and then the person at the door would talk to me, and I would look at my companion like <laughs> I have no clue what he's saying. Even even when for us who spoke English, we did the same thing too. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> like you're like double full because. For starters, you don't really, like when people would talk to you, and you're kind of bashful, you didn't really know what to say, and you'd yeah. look to your companion, I can't imagine yeah. not even knowing what they were really talking about, because they must have been yeah. talking a million miles an hour for you. And back then, they had six lessons. Did you have lessons? We had lessons. We had... Did you, have, you didn't have Mr. Brown, did you? No. We had discussions, yeah. like seven, maybe? I can't remember. Yeah. We had, there was seven lessons that we had to memorize uh, and, and then present them to people. And in the lessons, there would be questions and they would respond and it doesn't really matter what they said. <laughs> the next thing was the next, next uh, um, response in the Portuguese. But... Um, um, I remember trying to, even even the, I think what the thing, what I tried to memorize right off was the Joseph Smith uh, story, and I tried to memorize it word for word, uh, sound for sound, and then present it in our mission mission discussions or uh, our, our discussions, and that was really hard. I I tried different ways of memorizing it. I was trying to figure out. How how I could learn it to, but it, it was hard. 
It's really hard. At, you know, three months in, I still, still struggled with it. I do remember uh, when I got when I got transferred to Florianopolis. I was asked to give a talk, and uh, I'd been out probably four or five months, and I remember the the members sitting on their benches. It was just a, a very humble uh, chapel that we sat in, but uh, the members there was probably about 15, 20 there, and they were they would kind of lean back and forth. They're nodding their heads, just trying to pull it out of me, and and I did okay. I I gave I gave my a, a talk, and then I remember going in the back of the chapel and in the back room, and then just crying. I just it was such an emotional drain drag on me that uh, I just cried. I, I tried really hard, but it was it it took a took a long time. And why did why did you cry? Did you cry out of like all the emotions coming out of relief? Did you cry out of like sadness because you're sad that you didn't know the language good enough, or why were you crying then? I was crying because it was such an emotional drag. It it was so hard to put the language together, and then it wasn't a success cry. It was just kind of. Uh, uh, um, Trying, trying so hard to learn the language and still not quite there. Yeah, for sure. That would be, be super hard. Anything in Kodachiva that you want to talk about? Any experiences or anything that comes to mind before we move on to your second area? Um, I love the area. You know, there's... You're okay, keep going. I love the area. There's a, a, a temple and... What's unique is, you know, I told you the different areas that I, I served in, and now each, each area is a mission, <laughs> and each area has a temple. All, there's four cities that have temples in it. And, uh, Florianopolis is a, is a separate mission as well? Yeah, uh, oh, I didn't realize it was as big Flor as it was. Florianopolis has a mission there. And a temple? And a temple. Wow. And Porto Alegre has a temple. Mm -hmm. So Borgia doesn't, um, but I I love it was I love the area the the vegetation the people some things I really remember were the open open street markets that uh, that would um, move from day to day and and every week on a particular day you knew knew that market was there and. People really counted on it. Uh, they would um, they'd come in and shop at these open air markets or uh, street markets. Um, they, um, I remember the there's another memory I have or poor people that would sit in the parks and just old old men and women that uh, had hard lives and and uh, we didn't proselyte them but I, I remember them um, the uh, the streets had cobblestone streets and I remember the workers they would be sitting out on the streets and chipping away with the rocks and building these streets it wasn't like they, they didn't have asphalt there they may not have it now but they're beautiful uh, cobblestone streets that they would have to build and repair. Do you remember some of the things, like, did you start to really enjoy certain foods? Were there certain things that you liked to eat when you got over there? Well, um, rice and beans were paramount. They were typical of... But I th actually, my first... My first uh, city there in Curitiba. I lived at called a pension. It's a boarding house and they would feed us every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got pretty used to typical Brazilian food. They'd, and they pretty much had the same thing every day. They'd have rice and beans, have potato salad. They had some kind of meat and uh, they'd have a dessert. 
But um, when when I went to other mission uh, areas, we would have our own maids to cook for us. They would, I think, they would come to our apartment and they help clean up the apartment and uh, cook. Um, it seemed like they would cook two meals. They would cook breakfast and, and lunch. And they would cook for us, you know. They'd cook American style. And so oh, they would? Oh, yeah. You know, they, they knew what the missionaries liked, so they would cook what we... What we um, but but a lot of it was Brazilian type of food. It most of it, a lot of it was rice and beans and. So did you, um, did you guys walk a lot there? Did you ride bikes? Were you on public transport? What was your means of getting around? No bikes, um, but the the bus system was um, really good. Uh, there was, we would go to the middle of the town and uh, catch a bus, and it would take us to any place in the city or out, out in the, the uh, sub- uh, out, out in the sticks. And um, I think you, the bus system was, was extraordinary. You could just go anywhere. You'd catch buses drop off and catch another one and go where you wanted to go. So we didn't walk a whole lot, although although I think we did. So we must have, because <laughs> the bus didn't take us right to the house. But it was it was mainly traveled by bus, and you go into the middle of town. All the cities were like that. Um, even even Son Borgia had, had a bus system. So tell me about like what is a typical as a missionary? What year was it again that you were there? What years? Nineteen sixty-two to nineteen sixty-five. Okay, so as a missionary in the mid-sixties in Brazil, walk me through like a typical day. Like, what time did you wake up? What did you do? What did your day look like throughout each day? Um, we would get up at a at we'd try to keep the mission rules. And I believe it was six o'clock when we'd get up, and we would we would study for an hour. And I think uh, I think my mission, you know, I was a I was a senior companion for quite a while, and so I I I think I had uh, uh, language training at the, uh, with my companion, but uh, I was always trying to learn it myself, so I don't know how well I taught them, but uh, we would go out at 9 o'clock in the morning, nine, and we would knock on doors in the morning. We did a lot of proselyting was knocking on doors and trying to um, find people to teach. Um, we'd come home, have lunch, and then go out in the afternoon and visit members. We did a lot of visiting of members. Um, and uh, then when we could, we would teach lessons in the evening. Um, it was, that's, that was, would be the ideal. And I don't think the ideal happened all the time. Um, We'd go shopping, or we'd even go to movies. I remember going to movies and uh, trying to keep busy and trying to trying to do the right things. I I remember in in Son Borgia, there was quite a bit of downtime there, and uh, I remember spending a lot of time reading reading the Book of Mormon and. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever read the Book of Mormon. Um, so I don't know. I we uh, on we would serve uh, with we'd meet meet the members at, at church on during the week and play football with them and do different Which is soccer or what soccer. Is that? It's soccer indoor. 
indoor uh, soccer. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's um, soccer indoor uh, in a basketball court. They mm-hmm. have a goal at each end. That's fun. That'd be fun. And they really enjoyed that. And you know, we do some, we'd bring in members or non members and they'd play too. And That's cool. So that was. So throughout your mission, are there members in your mind that you became really close to? Were there different families or is there anybody you can think of that you're like, I was really close to that family or this individual and this is why? There's a couple couple of families in in, in Kritichiba that I, I took a really liking to and they're really good to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I came back... Um, came back at the end of my mission, and so I renewed that acquaintance with them. But a couple of people, uh, uh, Brother Gusso um, was a, made, made statues, and I always enjoyed going to his studio in the back and, and uh, seeing what he had and what he was making, and these statues are where it came from him. He had a family, and they're the nicest family. They're just really good people. So you have the one. So we're in Dad's office right now. We're looking at some of his statues, and most all the kids should be familiar. So we have. Is this? Did this come from him? That came from Elder or uh, Brother Resner. So we're looking at a picture of Joseph Smith. And Angel Moroni. Angel Moroni. And it's a it's a flat picture. It looks like it's inlay wood. Yes. Yeah. So that came from who? It did. And he made he made um, pictures like that. They're very popular with the missionaries. Did you buy it from him or did he give it to you? I think I bought that one. He never okay. gave me one, but I bought that one and I bought the one of Joseph Smith down there. Okay, so we're looking at there's different pictures of inlays. There's one of Joseph Smith. There's one that looks like a like a, a Brazilian guy yeah. on a gaucho, gaucho, like a cowboy, yeah. And then did he do this statue? Is that is that the statue up here? The no, that's one? that's uh, brother uh, Gusso made that, and uh, he had a studio in the back. And one one interesting story about that is the mission president. He kind of picked up on it, and he bought a he bought several statues from him and it would give them to people. But my my mission president, President Paulson, was a pretty good businessman. And so he helped his uh, brother Gusso gave. And because uh, these statues, he'd have to chisel the whole thing out from beginning to end. From a big Took a, a big block, block. block of wood. Wow. And so he got a lathe for him and put the lathe on and he'd have a, a pattern and, and he could chisel most of the the rough stuff out. Wow. And then then he would take the, the finished part and, and finish it off. That's you know? pretty cool. Yeah, it really oh, was. Neat. It really helped him out. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. What were um, on like, do you remember any um, – of your adventures on like your days off like were there any things that you did that particular stood out where you're like we went to this area and that was really neat or i got to see this or what were some of the sightseeing aspects of your mission that you can remember well i do remember one occasion um it was in kudachiba and we had a p-day and we went on a an outing I guess we caught the bus and we went down to, um, can't think of the city. It was about two hours from us. And uh, we went on a picnic and played games there and, and uh, had food and had spiritual experience with the missionaries. And, but it was, I think we were camped on a river or or a small stream, and it was quite uh, cloudy that day and stormy, and uh, we were there for a couple of hours, and I remember all of a sudden we looked up the canyon, and this flash flood came down the canyon, and it just 
it came before we knew it, we knew it was there. And we just scrambled and we ended up on the other side of the, of the river because uh, we had to uh, do everything we could to get, get, get away from the water. But we were stranded there for a couple of hours until the water subsided. And then we were able to return back home. But that was, I remember that quite a bit. That's crazy. Uh, I, you know, when I first got my mission call, I thought I was going to go to the to um, the jungle. When I thought of Brazil, I thought I'm going to the jungle, and and it wasn't really like that. Uh, these different cities were um, were um, beautiful cities, different different types of cities. Um, I remember another. We another oh, I, a couple things I'd like to share. One was in Florianopolis. We uh, we took we went with the, the members and we had a, an outing, picnic outing to the other side of the of the the island, and I guess it was the Atlantic Ocean. And we had a, a beautiful time there uh, with the members playing games and and uh, enjoying the the beach. I if if special for me to uh, walk along the beach there. Um, one, one, another outing was a, um, a conference that we experienced when I was out in Son Borgia. We traveled from Son Borgia to Livramento, um, and it took all day, and we traveled in a car. I think uh, there was probably like five or six of us. And uh, Son Borgia, the the branch there was like I don't know. We probably had uh, oh ten or twelve members, and there was like we probably took two cars, and and. Uh, the uh, branch president was Irmon uh, Pid, I see, Elder, his first name was Pedro. But anyway, we went on this trip and it took us like four or five hours to go to this conference. We got, ended up leaving Tormento and we had a, a uh, district conference there. Um, and it was it lasted like two hours, and then I think we may have had another two-hour conference. And we had lunch in the afternoon, and then we traveled home. But I remember some of the members blown away for, with this conference because they had no idea what the church was really like. And uh, living in a in a, a branch of about ten or twelve members. And going to a district, it and seeing like oh probably four or five hundred people there was uh, more than they ever anticipated or could expect from the church, you know. <laughs> and they weren't they weren't they they didn't know what general conference was. They didn't know what state conference was. But going to this conference really opened their eyes and thought, wow, this church is really amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, do you have any experiences with any of like your converts, or does anything stand out as far as people who join the church? Do you have any experiences you want to share as far as that goes? You know, I've thought about this quite a bit, and and I've looked at my. I did keep a journal. I had a couple journals, but I kept one book that. Uh, listed my baptisms, and uh, I, I think there was at least uh, eighteen, twenty baptisms that I, I experienced on that. Um, there was one one fellow in in Curitiba, the first part of my mission, a young man about twenty, twenty two, and um, I've often wondered what happened to him, and then in in. Florianopolis. I remember baptizing a, an older man 
very, very poor, uh, lived in very humble circumstances, but I don't know whatever happened to him. And uh, that's kind of, you know, I didn't keep in touch with any of them over the years. It's been like 60 years now or 50, 55 years probably. Um, I don't know. But I do know this, that when I arrived in Brazil, there, were, there weren't any stakes or, mission or uh, wards. All there were, were were districts and branches. And there weren't any uh, temples. But, and that was like 50 years ago. And, and now there are stakes all over. There's a million people, over a million people in Brazil now, where there are probably a couple hundred thousand when I was there. And so there's four mission for temples, at least four. No, there's probably, I don't know, there's probably, there's probably, there's probably 10 or 12 temples. There's probably a dozen, there. I would bet. Yeah, I think so. And uh, there's stakes all over and, and, and uh, branches, or uh, uh, wards all over. So I feel like I, I made a humble offering to what's now uh, an amazing part of the church and the whole world. So uh, wonderful people, humble people. And like I was saying, when they, when they opened it up to the black people, it just took off. It was amazing. If you could jump on a plane right now and go there, what area would you most like to go back to and walk the streets of? I'd like to go to Curitiba and take take mom. Um, I just just it just exemplified what Brazil is. There's humble humble areas. City itself's beautiful in in town, and and uh, I just remember the open air street markets and uh, one of my favorite drinks down there was called um, Vitamina de Avocado and it was a it was an avocado shake with vanilla ice cream in it and I probably put on 10 pounds eating those shakes <laughs> they were really good <laughs> but I if I was to go back I like to take mom back and um, I think in Padana is the Falls de Iguazu. They're like the, the Niagara Falls. They're beautiful in a different way. They're in a jungle, and it's just gorgeous. I did go there at the end of my mission. I stopped there and, and went to the falls, but I was all by myself. And then, then when I returned home, I stopped in the Rio, and... Uh, um, and that that was spectacular. I saw the statue of the Savior on the on the mountainside, and Rio's dynamic. It's pretty pretty exciting city, and and I don't regret not being there. I'm glad I was where I was in the southern part. If you could go back and see anybody from your mission, whether they're still alive or not, who would you want to see and visit? Um, there is a family in Curitiba, and I can't remember if it was, I think it was Irmão Gusso and his children. He, he, had a, he had some children, a couple of teenagers, and I've often wondered whatever happened to them. And uh, um, whatever, what, I'm sure they're active in the church and stayed strong, but it would be interesting to see how they their lives progressed and how their their children uh, took to the church. Do you have any memories of anything particularly funny that happened on your mission? Is there anything that you can think of that you thought that was so funny when that happened? Um, I have a number of memories, but they're not totally funny. Uh, I remember my one of my last 
I remember one of my last companions, he came down from the MTC, and uh, he's a very smart fellow. And and I was getting ready to go home on, from my mission, and I kind of turned it over to him, and he took, took over, and he was able to speak as soon as he got off it got down there. It was amazing what the MTC did for him. But I remember sitting at uh, bus stops, and he would, he was very good at memorizing, and he would memorize uh, the chapter in John, the 16th chapter, or the 15th chapter, and then he would memorize it, and then he'd say, okay, let's see if I got this, and he'd just recite it to me. Wow, that's crazy. It was Elder Benson, and, and it was pretty amazing what, uh, what, what he's capable of doing. Um, I think um, the, the buses were always quite an, a lot of, oh, down, down in, in uh, uh, Porto Alegre, during rush hour traffic, there the buses would just fill up with people, and it was pretty pretty exciting at that time to see people and talk to them. And um, funny wise, I I don't know. I I'd that's have okay. To, that's okay. I'm just trying to recall anything. Um, the question that I had that that I was curious about is: so you started in Curitiba, and you ended up going back there. Were the members were like were they surprised when you got back that you're like elder you can talk to us so good now or any do you recall anything like that? Um, I don't remember that as such, but it was refreshing to be able to talk to the members, and I think that's why I enjoyed that area so much because I I struggled so much at first, and then was able to go back and talk to members, and it was it was a good experience. That's cool. Um, is there, is there anything like spiritual or spiritual experiences or anything that you want to share in regards to in regards to your mission? Anything like that? I I think the spiritual things were um, either uh, um, missionary conferences or or meetings with general authorities. We had uh, President Tuttle, Theodore Tuttle was our uh, our general authority. He was a seventy, and and I can remember conferences with the missionaries and the mission president. And we, they'd last like six and seven hours, and I would just be mesmerized by it. I I could. I could sit all day, all night, and listen to them. It was, it was a wonderful experience. And then um, Spencer W. Kimball toured our mission, and I, he was a, a an apostle, and he came through. And I remember, and in fact, I talked to my mission president afterwards. I, I said, President Tim. Um, president Kimball came through, and he. And he, he talked to us about after we get home, going home, getting married, and that kind of kind of surprised me and bothered me. But I talked to my mission or my my bishop, and he kind of helped me settle down because I didn't get married right after I got home. It took me a while, but I I do reflect on on the missionary conferences. Um, those were really spiritual highlights for me, and and I just uh, really enjoyed feeling the spirit and being taught by the spirit. And uh, so that's uh, that's cool. Is there anything that you thought of in preparation for this? Any stories or anything that you wanted to share that I haven't given you a chance to share? Um, I don't know where it is. <laughs> Your notebook that you wrote it on? Yeah, I think it's right here. Um, 
I think we've covered quite a bit of it, Josh. Um, I had uh, I had an experience in Sol Borgia with my com companion. We got con confronted with some guy, and he he pulled a gun on us. But it wasn't. Uh, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't threaten us a whole lot. I wasn't too worried about it, but... Uh, he pulled a gun on yeah, you, as I yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. And what were the circumstances behind that? Like, why did he I do that? I think he was drunk, and I don't think he really cared for Mormons. And so we kind of talked our way out of it and uh, walked away from it. But that was kind of a unique experience. That is not... Very missionaries have that. Uh, not very many have that happen. It uh, does happen, but that's pretty crazy. Um. I think I think we've covered a lot of it. Uh, cool. So I asked you a few weeks ago. I asked you if you knew any songs in Portuguese. Do you remember anything that you'd like to sing? You don't have to. I um, yeah, I'd love to sing. I think Elders of Israel is the one that. Um, I. What's interesting to me is every time I get go to a, a baptism, it, I I have to go through it in Portuguese to make sure I say it right in English. Still? Yeah, still. I didn't know that. that's interesting. Yeah, it's tendo se do por Let's say tendo se Tendo sido comissionado por Jesus Cristo, eu te batizo em nome do Pai e do Filho e do Espírito Santo. And and even now, when I have a baptism, I think, no, let's see, I go through it to remember what what I'm supposed to say because it's supposed to be perfect. You know? Yeah. So, um, the song, yeah, um, I think uh, and you don't. You don't have to worry because not very many people who listen to this will know Portuguese, so no one's going to judge. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember the words unless I saw them on a hymn book. I have, I have a Portuguese hymn book. I, I, I'll have to pull it out. And, That's okay. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Is there any? Uh, we've done about an hour's worth of recording. This has been wonderful, Dad. Thank you. And is there anything that you want to add to conclude? Okay, and just we'll, a minute. Just we'll, a minute. Be, we'll be in there in just a minute, okay? But anything that you want to add? Yeah, let me let me try to let me try to finish with my Portuguese with my testimony. Okay. Uh, Get in there! Okay, hang on. I'll be in in a minute. Just a second. I'll be right in. Eu quero prestar meu testemunho em português e prestar como eu sei que eu sei que Jesus Cristo é meu que eu, eu sei que Joseph Smith view of okay this is going to be harder than I thought I um, eu quero prestar meu testemunho sobre a igreja de Jesus Cristo que eu sei que é a a igreja verdadeira nos tempo agora eu sei que José Smith foi um profeta da igreja de Jesus Cristo que ele escreve o Livro do 
Mormon y que um, organize a iglesia de Jesus Cristo in these latter days. I, I know first, I do want to say that one thing I didn't share with Josh is that in the the, doc, the 18th section of the Doctrine and Covenants, it talks about how we, if we just convert one person to the church, how great our joy will be in the hereafter. And as I look back on my mission, the joy that I have of the conversion is my own conversion. That my soul was converted to the prophet Joseph Smith and my soul was converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And on my mission, I read the Book of Mormon for the first time. I became in love with the Book of Mormon, and I've tried to read it ever since. I, I feel like I want to share my testimony with others and bring them to Christ and help them to know the joy and the happiness and the eternal destiny that we have as we, as we humble ourselves and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ for what it is. It is the plan of salvation in our lives from a Father in heaven that loves us and wants us to return home and enjoy the blessings of eternal life with him. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.